and welcome to Wine Blast. I'm Susie Barry and as ever, I'm here with my husband and fellow master of wine, Peter Richards. But the big question today is, what does that even mean? Well, like, who are we? You know, why are we here? Uh, where is here? Who is Susie Barry? No, you no, know, no, what's no, the meaning no, no. of life? No, um, not, no, no, definitely not. <laughs> this is a wine podcast. And we mainly, well, we mainly just talk about drinking, don't we? And yes, then get overexcited yeah. generally about, about wine. Yeah, there's no philosophy but, here. Um, but to go back to what I was saying, this is the moment we finally get to explain what a master of wine or MW is. Mm. You know, what that title means, how you go about becoming an MW, all that, all that stuff, um, which we haven't really addressed as yet on the show, in spite of introducing ourselves for a yeah, year yeah. as Masters of Wine. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, better late than never, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, w- uh, sorry, listeners, dear listeners, if you've been in any way mystified <laughs> or annoyed by all about? of this, uh, we have we go, we got around to it in the end. But, you know, we have touched on it before, I suppose, a little, little bit, bit we, little you know, bit. like in the last episode when we were interviewed by Natalie McLean yeah. um, and, and when we chatted to Sophie Parker-Thompson a little bit, one of the newest uh, minted Masters of Wine about her research paper. That was mm. um, episode um, 10, I think, from, from series, series two. Series, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's, it's a good one to tackle because it's a question we get asked pretty often. Indeed, I, absolutely. I mean, we've been specifically asked to to address uh, this on the podcast by several people and um, one of whom was Michael Pregenza I hope I pronounced that correctly, Michael. Um, Anyway, Michael wrote in to say, Hello, Susie and Peter. I love your podcast. And I was wondering if you could do an episode on your journey to becoming Masters of Wine. I can't even imagine how hard it is. I am currently studying for my National Sommelier Diploma here in Austria. And you guys are what keeps me going. Um, That and lots of wine. (laughs) Trust the wine. wine. Trust the wine to get you through, Michael, not us. Um, (laughs) But good luck with your sommelier exams, that sounds exciting. Absolutely, yeah. Anyway, so... So I think, Michael, I think the notion of wine exams may seem paradoxical to many people, and and that's totally understandable. But that is what's at the heart of the Master of Wine qualification. It's a series of really quite, well, very testing exams, which push you to the limits of your ability, your knowledge, your patience, your financial security, Mm -hmm. um, but which ultimately do make you better at what you do and more able to to help other people, yeah. um, whether that's an MW student or someone who literally just wants help choosing a nice bottle of yeah, wine. Yeah, and, and I think this is a really key point because I've noticed a fair bit of anti-MW sentiment out there lately. You know, and I saw one person's social media description, you know, literally as being recently just being anti-MW. That was it. I mean, I, I, I guess, I don't know, without wishing to get too too much into politics here um, yeah. but do you think I mean maybe it ties into the whole anti-expert feeling that that Michael mm. Gove and, and others sort of yeah. use so disingenuously <laughs> during the Brexit campaign yeah, I mean, it could be a little bit do but I, I, mean, I don't know I also think it's also it's more than that and I think you know fundamentally it stems from a misunderstanding of the nature of expertise on the one hand and also what the MW actually is you know it's absolutely not about one-upmanship or, or utter geekery you know it's not a kind of flash there's a bit bag. of geekery there is a bit of geekery Come on. But, but within reason uh, it's for a purpose geeking for a purpose there we go that should be the, the strap <laughs> line that's <laughs> the title of the show surely well, geeking for a purpose it's, it's not um it's not a way to intimidate anyone with you know or browbeat anyone with knowledge it's actually the opposite and this is really important yeah. you know the mw teaches you to be humble uh, it teaches you to accept the, if the ever limitations taught you to be humble or exactly. accept your limitations exactly. as the master of because, wine you know it's only by pushing yourself this far you realize oh my goodness i can't know this 
ever. But I, what I can do is try. Um, you know, so what that makes you do is it makes you reach or ask other people for help um, and guidance, you know. Mm. And that's really important, that that instinct to ask people for help, to be collaborative, to never stop sort of learning and, and, and also asking the right questions. You don't necessarily have to have the right answers. It's about a mindset of asking the right questions. You know, wine is a complex subject and it's not easy to talk about it. And I think what the MW helps you do is understand why that is and how to start remedying it, if mm, you like. I Does agree. that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. I'm, I'm, Do you I'm agree almost with that? With, I, I, I definitely agree with everything you say. <laughs> you don't. Don't I? <laughs> no, of course I do. We wouldn't have a podcast if you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, for, for me, I think it's about fostering a desire and, and creating a strategy to really try to understand, as you say, this amazing mm. subject that is wine and then then be able to help other people to know more about it too i mean that that's it we all you know the more we all know about it the better really and essentially that's us then being good at our job yeah it's 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 about how to help people effectively isn't it you know and i think maybe i might get into hot water here but probably this sort of anti-expert i don't know what you're gonna say has been kind of accentuated by the rise of social media and the internet where everyone gets to have their say, well, you know, which is fine. Don't it get me wrong. Enough, there absolutely. is nothing wrong with it. I think, you know, especially in wine, the more voices talking about wine, the more voices championing wine, the better as far as, yeah. as far as we're concerned. But, you know, I do just wonder if some people see kind of expert knocking as a way to raise their own profile, to sort of get heard. And I just don't think it's helpful, you know, especially in wine. Yes, wine geeks can be boring. Wine is a competitive field because it's a great industry to work in. But, you know, we all need to work to our own strengths and, and, and work together, you know, for the good of wine. And I think that's the bigger mm. picture. Mm. There's anyway. a part for everyone to play, but yeah. but let's do what we do best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and think we're and off- not, never stop learning. No. Are we getting slightly off topic now? Yes. I think we might be. I yep, was yep. almost into ranty mode. My favourite phrase. Almost, you've, you've nipped that in the bud. <laughs> anyway, but just be, just before we move on, while we're here, is there anything we wanted to mention at the top of the show um, before we get yes. properly started? Actually, good point, good point, good point. Thank you. So, yes, for sort of uh, the results of our big English wine adventure competition will be Always. announced very shortly. Mm-hmm. Won't they? They will. Will they? They really will. Yes, will they, they really, Susie really Barry? will. I don't know. Very they shortly. Will. Okay, they will very shortly. It's not just your fault. It's my fault too. We are. We've, we we've had so many brilliant entries. We, have, we, have. Um, we are. A bit we overwhelmed, are, aren't we? And we want to sort of get this right. So thank you, everyone who entered. We will be announcing that very shortly. Um, we want to say just thank you for all the fab ratings and reviews and feedback comments we've been having. They keep it keeps coming in, and we really, really appreciate them. So please mm. do keep them coming. Um, I wanted to. Can't pick out them all, but there was one on Apple that made us laugh, wasn't it? It's, it's um, finally an informative, entertaining, and insightful wine podcast that's varied and concise. So what that basically is saying know, is, yeah. is, is shut up and get, and get on with <laughs> get it. On. I think, I think you're being very generous, whoever you are, lovely person, saying yeah. we're concise because, um, you know, really, no, we're not. I'm not sure we're we are. Not. We're not. But, uh, but it's uh, very generous I, it's where, of you I to think say it's that. That's kind of wish fulfillment. It's just, they're saying, <laughs> say it, so we be will. concise. <laughs> we will try. So, so, lastly, in the spirit of that, you know, most exciting of all, we had a message from a lovely listener in Denver, Colorado. Picking up on my love of the Simpsons. They I don't did. know how. They did. How this that did came make across. us both smile, um, didn't it? Uh, yeah. So, so the recent uh, focus we had on on wine pun suggestions for Moe's Bar. I'm not going to explain any more that you have to listen to series two, episode thirteen. Turns out, this lovely listener, her cousin, is an animator at the Simpsons. This is like your dream, it, isn't it? This is your my dream Instagram dream. message. Absolutely. Um, anyway, this cousin has animated scenes in Moe's Bar. Which is, which is what we were talking about. Mm. So anyway, this wonderful animator listened to the episode and, and I quote, 
got a kick out of the listener label ideas. Sounds better in American, but I can't do an American accent. No. Um, she's shared them with her colleagues and the message ended. Who knows? Watch out. Maybe these ideas will show up in the background of The Simpsons one day. Oh, I just... I mean, OMG. <laughs> OMG. That genuinely would be your, all your dreams come this true. This is my, all it? my Christmases come. Well, yeah, it's not mine yeah. because it's our lovely yeah. listeners. So, well, you know, this podcast is you... your way to get onto The Simpsons. Who knew? Who knew? Who, Who knew? knew? I mean, frankly, it just sounds like a massive excuse to watch even more <laughs> yeah. Simpsons, if you yeah. ask me. Freeze uh, frame the whole way through. Oh yeah. Can I say any wine? Any, any excuse. <laughs> anyway, back to the matter at hand, um, yeah. uh, not the Simpsons. The question was about the journey to becoming a master of wine. So mm. what we're going to do is we're going to take this in two parts. In this first programme, we're going to get into our experiences of mm. becoming um, MWs, you know, how we got there, what we learned along the way, our tips and strategies, as well as a bit of background on the MW. And yeah. we'll we'll have some input from the IMW or Institute of Masters of Wine. And then in a second programme, we're going to ask some other people about their experiences, including and um, we're going to have a current student. Uh, we're going to have a recently passed MW. Mm-hmm. And there's no one better than that to give us tips yeah, on, yeah, on how to pass. Yeah, we're not so uh, and, and an examiner. <gasps> Good grief. An examiner to tie the whole thing I feel like together. We need some sound effects for that one. Uh, we might have to. It was a bit almost like a mastermind. <laughs> yeah, something. Anyway, hopefully that will um, that will give us a really all of that put together, a really rounded and intriguing picture, I hope, of what an MW is and how to mm. become one. Mm. Is that, that a good plan? Like a plan? Sounds like a plan. So, okay, so the Master of Wine is a series of examinations. Simple as that. Mm. There we go. Um, I'm not sure that's the end, though, is it's it? It's not the end. No. So, so the first one is to get on the course in the first place. Uh, the second one is at the end of your first year, or, or stage one, better said. Then the big ones um, come at the end of stage two. That's, uh, I think, it's three 12 wine tasting papers. You think you know it's three 12 wine tasting <laughs> uh, they're papers. They're about two and a quarter hours each, which sounds like a long time. Believe me, it's not when you're in the exam. And then there are five theory papers. Um, then there's a research paper, which is stage three. So apparently there are currently 379 students across 41 countries. Um, 44% are stage one. Uh, the majority, 52%, are stage two and just 4% are on stage three. Okay, I've got a few facts and figures Come too. Come on, hit see. me. I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to out-fact you here. Mm. Well, probably not. but uh, So there are currently 416 active MWs across 31 countries. And the, the gender split um, of current MWs is two-thirds male, one-third female, but it is changing. Mm. The gender split of new MWs in the last 10 years is roughly 50-50. So we're going much more towards um, equality of, of gender within the within the IMW, which is great. Um, it's fair to say the IMW has moved with the time since the first exam, first exam in 1953. Mm. So six people passed, all men, all from the UK. Mm. As of 2021, there are as many MWs outside the UK as within it. Yeah, that's really interesting. So re- like things that. are really changing like and that. have changed a um, lot. But but the one issue um, that the IMW is frank in admitting is the need to grow in diversity and inclusivity, which I think is something the wine trade as a whole uh, needs to address. Um, so in this programme, we're going to be talking about all of these things and more with the IMW. But before we do that, the original question was about our journey mm-hmm. to becoming uh, Master of Wine. So purely on uh, an emotional, personal level, I'm going to flip this over to you. How was it for you? Um, mm. Low points, high points? <laughs> you know the Go answer to this. 
There were a lot of lows. Oh my goodness. I'm just going to sit lows. back. I'm just there were sit lows. back in my leather yeah. armchair. I mean, here, I mean everybody is going to be slitting the wrist by the end of this because frankly, <laughs> my lowest point, my lowest point, okay, was the the first study week in Rust. So this is in Austria. Michael, you asked the question. Mm. Um, you'll be familiar with, with Rust, I'm sure. Um, so this is where everybody goes to do their first study week or did before COVID times. Mm. But I was just, I was so naive. Um, although I'd, I'd been to, um, I'd been a relatively good student at school. I, I didn't go to university. I went to drama school. I didn't see you um, in a school uniform. So a bit of a swat in front of the class. I was, I was a bit of a swat, but um, but I hadn't done any. The only real studying I'd done between leaving school and then starting the MW was my WSET or Wine and mm. Spirit Education Trust exams. And at that time, definitely the MW was such a step up and I was mm. so mm. unprepared. I mean, I just remember feeling sick for the entire week mm. and that that wasn't just because I drank too much. Sure. No, I did drink quite a lot just to try and get through it. Um, but you know, I, yeah. I, I'm yeah, afraid, you know, when I say hard. there were a lot of low points, there really were for me. I do remember, I just, I didn't have an easy ride in general. I just mm. didn't. Mm. Um, I'm sure it was entirely my own fault. Um, but, you know, I was I was self-employed. Um, I was trying mm. to make enough money to pay for my fees. My my parents certainly didn't have money to help me. Um, and I, I, this is something I'm going to admit now, and I've never said any of this before, um, oh. this particular thing. Yeah. Um, but I remember very distinctly the circle of wine writers who I was a, a member of at the time. Mm. They were offering a, a bursary. And so I entered an, an essay into this bursary um, thing mm. to, to get some money towards my uh, my studies and it was a, it was a decent amount of money and and not only not only did I not win the award um the panel of circle members who were judging that year thought that none of the essays were good enough so no one got the bursary I mean can you imagine that's gutting it was it was genuinely but it just I don't know at that time it just seemed to sum when up you're my studying whole as well, when you're oh so you know insecure um, you put about in so much abilities. work into everything anyway you know it, it, you that, ended up winning well I know one of the prizes you won what was the, the excellence across the theory exam it was, it? yeah. Excellence yeah, yeah. in essays. Yeah, 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 that, okay. yeah. Anyway, but you know, steep learning curve. And we, <laughs> we when you still chin. talked earlier about making you yeah. humble, it really, really does. Yeah, does. Um, things got so much better for me. I went from one extreme to the to the other, really, from this yeah, terrible initial of, period yeah. to, you know, well, one of the main things that I will never forget about this, this whole experience was meeting people who are mm. amazing and are now really properly great friends. Yeah. Um, but, you know, passing was the best feeling I can ever remember yeah, um, yeah. and you know I, I did really well you know I just you was, was, um, was lucky what does doing well mean no. come on no, and I did so I got top student in my year which was, was amazing um, and I certainly did not expect that at all but one person I want to mention which is way more important than anything that we've I've already said was is Julia Harding who mm. was my mentor oh, and yeah. she was unbelievable and you know I, there is no way I would have passed that exam I never mind getting top student I would not have passed the exams yeah. if it hadn't been Virginia. well we need to we need to have a bit of a loving for Julia because yeah. she obviously yeah. became my mentor yeah, I was gonna too. say what about you what, what are your I've, well, I've, no, I've witted on there no, 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 what, no, what no, your experiences thank you for showing that I mean it's because it, my goodness there are loads with this but yeah mm. it, it's you know, I was lucky that I had great teachers, and one of those is, was you. You know, you really, really helped me um, get my head around this. And I think your pain was my gain in that sense, wasn't it? You, you've been through the I'd hard been yards, through a lot of stuff, and, and, I think and you, you knew, therefore helped me yeah, prepare. You knew so, what not to do, um, and yes, yeah, yeah. You helped me yeah. In, in lots of different ways, but and, and Julia helped me as well. Mm. Julia is is 
amazing and um, deserves recognition. Um, you know, and then people like Phil Tuck, uh, Michael Schuster, you yeah. know, people who really, really helped, went out of their way to help yeah. us. And there are so many we could mention and we're so grateful to them all. Um, you know, I mean, apart from that, I started with a lot of advantages. I've, I, I can write, you know, I'm a writer by, by trade. You know, I've, I've got good exam technique. I've been lucky enough to, to, to have an education which has given me good a sort of good grounding in that sort of stuff. Um, I had an amazing bunch of peers, you know, for all the way through, just mm. absolutely wonderful people to study with. And I also had, as a journalist, lots of access to samples, you know. And I flip right, you're, you know, being freelance, at least it, you, might, you might not be earning lots of money, but you have time. You do have time. And that, you know, that we really both helped. had that. We definitely both but had that. But my God, there are lows as well as highs, aren't there? You really plumb the depths of your soul with this, as, you know. And I suppose that's what you need to then feel the exhilaration you get um, with the highs, you know. Yeah. Um, so those specific, cri- I mean, I, I remember the, the family crisis we had after one exam. I'm not going to go into details, but it was immediately after an exam, if you remember. And yeah. it was supposed to be a time when we were celebrating and actually we ended up having to rush home yeah. and deal with something that was really quite horrible. Um, you know, in, also on a general level, I just remember feeling the, the guilt about not spending time with our daughter, who was very young at the time. She was only um, sort of two, wasn't she, then? To, two to or study. Three, yeah, yeah. But, and sort of shutting those doors and forcing yourself to study when all you want, every instinct in your body is is no you know i need to to play with my daughter um go on you just got out of bath time didn't you <laughs> we're not but, getting any violence actually out one you, other baby. no was was, was was my first example i think we might come on to that oh we'll come on to that yeah, yeah i remember yeah, so i know I'll what you're gonna one, say yeah you know yeah, highs yeah, of yeah, course you know yeah. celebrating finishing yeah. Yeah. results and you know i was lucky yeah. enough to get a top student too so all of that was amazing but yeah. just being there and being able to celebrate with family and friends made it all worthwhile yeah yeah anyway well yeah. let's move on let's move on yeah, and let's hear from the imw and just just one point that we want to clarify before we do, and the MW is different from the MS. So the latter is um, a different, um, yeah, so different the exam. Sommelier, yeah, master exactly. sommelier. Yeah. So it's mainly for service, the service-based side of the wine trade. So sommeliers in restaurants. Um, now we did explore the the world of mm. sommeliers and the mm. and the MS in uh, series two, episode eleven. If you want to catch up on that, but it is a different set of exams. It's mainly oral and you know not written. There is a blind wine tasting element and some theory too. Uh, but the but the service part of the exam is really important. Yeah, well, so we, that's we the that. MS. Yeah. yeah. MW different. Same mastery, different skills. Um, anyway, I spoke to Sarah Harrison, head of the study programme and development at the IMW, who oversees training and exams for the MW. Uh, and I started by asking her, how can someone become a master of wine? It's a good question because it's, as you will know, it takes a bit of takes a bit of effort. So um, the first thing that people would probably need to think about is, are they ready to think about becoming a master of wine? And over the years, we've sort of improved our admissions process, I would say, so that it's now a little bit more stringent, probably, than it used to be. And actually, even getting onto the course does take quite a bit of prior knowledge and prior experience. So let anyone on the course in my day, I mean, I wouldn't have got on it if, uh, <laughs> if that hadn't been the case. But it's, much, it's harder to get on the course in the first place now, is it? It is a little bit. And I think actually that's because it's more beneficial for people to come on knowing that they're ready so that they're not wasting their time and money for something that they're just not quite ready for, but maybe in three years they would be. So there's a few eligibility requirements to get onto the programme in the first place. And one is about prior education. So you need to have a qualification of at least WSET diploma level or equivalent. So that might be a master's degree in uh, viticulture or something like that. Um, And you also need to have 
at least three years um, of what we call current and continuous active professional involvement in wine. So that basically means wine is your main job and it has been for three years. Um, and that can be the whole breadth of the wine trade. So it might be wine writing or selling wine or making wine, anything like that. But it does need to be your primary, the primary thing that you do as a professional. Can I ask about that though? Because when I was on yeah. the course, there were we had architects and, and lawyers doing it with us who, who weren't professionally involved in wine. And I always thought that was a lovely thing that someone could you know, if they can demonstrate their, their seriousness and aptitude for study, they could come on even if wine wasn't their, their main job. Yeah, it's something that has changed over the years. And I think, um, you know, people have different opinions on that. I think it's because ultimately when you do become a master of wine, it's a, meant to be a community of wine professionals. And so if you're not already um, in that sector, then it's kind of harder for you to take part in that community of wine professionals. So it's a bit more of a trade association, I suppose. Um, that said, you can petition to the admissions committee. So this is a group of masters of wine who will review all of the applications and make a decision about who's at the right place to come on. And if you don't quite fulfill the eligibility requirements, but think that you really have something to offer, um, which I imagine some of those architects and others would have done, actually, if you look back on it, then you can email the admissions committee and we'll have a bit of a discussion about whether we could make an exception um, to allow you to apply. So we still do have a little bit of flexibility, um, but mostly we try and make sure that people are involved in the profession and in the trade. And, and, and what about the programme itself? What does that uh, involve? So you've got three stages now. And again, this is something that is slightly different from how it used to be, but we have three stages on the programme. So the first stage, stage one, is essentially a foundation stage. And the aim is to make sure that you are ready to start studying for the big exam, the MW exam. Um, so in that stage, people will join and they have to pass an assessment at the end of it to say, are you ready to start thinking about the bigger exam? So it's usually a year. Some people might take two years and some people will actually get um, knocked out of the program at that point. So we might say, we don't think you're quite ready. Come back in a couple of years. Once you've passed that stage one assessment, which is made of one 12 wine tasting paper and two essay questions, if you pass that, you move into stage two. And that means that essentially you are studying to do the first part or the first two parts of the MW exam. So that is the theory and the practical exams. And I mean, Peter, you'll know more about this because you've passed it. <laughs> so you can talk about your experience of preparing for that exam, I'm sure. But it's a lot. You need to know a lot to pass those exams. So to give you a bit of an overview, the theory papers go from viticulture through vinification, through the handling of wine, through to the business of wine, and then a final paper, which is all about contemporary issues. So these are sometimes really interesting. I think uh, a paper that I often quite enjoy reading students' responses about, but things like climate change might come up there, things that are much bigger and that might um, impact kind of all areas of the wine trade, but in different ways. So you've got lots of knowledge just from a theory perspective. And then on top of that, you've got three papers, which are practical papers. So those are tasting papers. These are my favorite to watch. I think they're amazing. To watching watch? students and, oh my, well, it's not a spectator. This is not a spectator sport. Oh, it's there, so sure. interesting to see. <laughs> well, I suppose, you know, I've finally well, I've now done my WSET level two, so that's very exciting. But to go from that very rudimentary level of knowledge to see people at the top of their game doing the blind tasting is really interesting, I think. So 
you know, um, people will have 12 white wines in the first paper, 12 red wines in the second paper, and then 12 mixed in the third paper. So that could be sparkling or fortified or rosé, anything like that. Um, and to see people be able to taste these flights and say, not only is this French, <laughs> this is from this particular area of Bordeaux, and this is why, is pretty is pretty cool to see, I must say. Um, so that's what you're aiming for in stage two, all of those, to pass all of those exams, which is basically four days worth of exams. It's quite intense. And to get to that point, you have um, a lot of things that you'll will supply to you know help you get there. So a week-long seminar somewhere, um, you'll have course days where you'll do practice papers, you'll have feedback from MWs, you'll have a mentor. There's all of this that will get you to the point of sitting the exam. And then hopefully you pass. And if you do that, you move into stage three. And that's what we call the research paper. So that's um, quite different, I suppose, because it's much more self-directed. And also there's a really big scope to choose what you are interested in doing research about and doing that research and writing it up. So it will be a paper of somewhere in the region of eight to 10,000 words. And the topics are so broad. So Peter, what did you do yours on? Oh, I'm just racking my brains, to be honest, Sarah. <laughs> uh, I did mine on, on Chile and Syrah. Um, and of course, we, we had on the programme recently, um, Sophie Parker-Thompson, who's just passed, and she did a fascinating paper on biogenic amines, which was much more interesting than mine. Uh, but it does seem to be there's some really, really interesting topics covered in these research papers now. Absolutely. And really broad. So we've just had um, the most recent MWs and there are two papers there. So one is influences of classical music on the perception of a brute non-vintage champagne, which I, I think is did, just did so interesting. <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Um, but then also you can see a totally different view from Melissa Saunders, MW, who did could the environmental impact of wine packaging affect purchasing decisions of retail wine buyers in New York City? So something really different, very specific, but also very useful, I think, to a lot of students future or MW's future careers so you've got all of that to do to pass and the minimum amount of time that would take is three years but typically students do tend to take a bit longer and um, mm. might have to reset various bits but I'm, I'm going to ask you a difficult question now Sarah what's the, what's the pass rate so we don't have a statistic for the pass rate exactly um, every year because people retake and retake um, mm. and it takes quite a while but to give you an example we've got a couple well just over 300 students on the program at the moment and in 2020 I think we had about 25 people pass through to stage three so the the pass rate isn't really high I think that's that's a well-known mm. part of the industry How is, it, is it changing over time I think so that's but it's always point. something that we're looking to you know keep working on and keep improving and and by improving you mean get more people passing get more people passing exactly yeah okay what about I mean um the financial side of things how much if someone says to you now look how much is this going to cost me what what do you say to them in that sense it's a great question and it's really important I think people need to make sure they've got a good plan financially for this but it's also really dependent on where you are and what job you do I think that's something to consider so we'll talk fees first and get that out the way so if you pass everything first time um, you're looking at fees of about £10,000 um, to us. That will increase if you need to retake a stage, for example. So add another 5000 ish I think, if you need to retake stage two. Mm -hmm. So that's one way I say make sure that you're ready when you join. <laughs> mm -hmm. But students will need to add to that because they'll need to purchase um, wines. They might need to fly to places. And 
that will depend. So I think wine purchasing is one of the biggest expenditures of a student, but that really depends on the sort of job that you've got. So if you're a wine buyer and you're tasting and you're traveling a lot as part of your job, your output might be much smaller. If you're a student in a more challenging country, so we have some students in places like Turkey and Oman, where the tax on wine is, is a lot, <laughs> um, and you're importing wines, obviously you're going to need to account for quite a lot more there. So those things do depend a little bit. Um, but I think most people will say somewhere in the region of 30, 40,000 pounds is probably what you might spend over the course of the program, but you need to sit down and make a, a financial plan for you, I think. Yeah. Gosh, that, that, that sounds considerably more expensive than when Susie and I did it, or maybe we were just lucky, I don't know. Time-wise, if someone comes to you and said, look, how much time do I need to devote to this on a weekly or monthly basis? What do you say to, to people in that sense too? Mm, I would say don't underestimate it. It's a lot. And it really depends on, you know, people's background. So how much do you already know about viticulture? If it's really not very much at all, it is going to take a long time to get enough knowledge to um, mm. answer the theory paper. Mm. And I think a good thing to do, our syllabus is public. All of our previous exam papers are public. They're all on our website. So have a look at them um, and see, you know, how much more knowledge you would have to be able to confidently answer those questions. And that will probably give you a bit of an insight into um, how much study you need to do. But to be honest, I think it, it is quite a lot. It's a significant investment in, in time, definitely. And, and what's, the, what's the global spread of, of students and MWs and how is that changing? So this is, a, I think, a really exciting question because it changes a lot. So the Institute started in 1953 and at first it was always based in the UK. And it wasn't until 1988, so Michael Hill Smith MW was the first international MW in 1988. Then 22 years after the study programme opened internationally, there were 100 MWs outside the UK. And now that just keeps on increasing, which is fantastic. So at the moment, we've got, I believe, 416 masters of wine, and they're spread across 31 different countries. So it's a big spread, but obviously there still are some big pockets in the UK and particularly in the States. There are some big groups of, of masters of wine there. And the student body is also really diverse. And I think what we see is that once we get one new master of wine in a new country, you start to get more students there and you get a bit of a network of people who are studying and it's really exciting. So that's something that's happened in Spain recently. We've got quite a lot of students in mm. Spain at the moment. Um, we've got about students in about 32 different countries at the moment who are currently studying, but that actually increases if we include all of those students who are taking deferral years because we have quite a few taking a year out this year because COVID is... Mm. ever present and making stuff difficult mm. um, and we have about 16 different languages spoken over the theory papers so it's a really broad geographical spread and it's actually really exciting so you know places like Asia South America South Africa we're seeing many more student applications every year which I think is really really exciting yeah would you like I was going to say would you like to see this grow is this is the message that wherever you are whoever you are you can you can do this absolutely absolutely and I think that's where the Institute gets a lot of its strength is from the spread of its members and the experiences that they bring and a diversity of opinion and of experiences and of places that you live, I think is brilliant and will really only help the Institute grow. So absolutely. Um, and I think what is also quite exciting is there are still quite a few firsts to come if you're a student. So we've just had our first Italian master of wine who is actually based in Italy. 
So that was really exciting. And we're going to be speaking. We're going to be speaking to Gabriele as well in the next program, which is is fantastic. Hopefully we'll see lots of new Italian MWs as well in the future. And, you know, we still have lots of firsts to come. Brilliant. You could be the first master of wine in, you know, in the country that you're coming from. So it's exciting. Talking about firsts, what about diversity? Um, This is something that the IMW said it needs to improve. Absolutely. Yeah, we do. I think that it's something that, you know, we've recognised, particularly over the past year or so, that it's something that's incredibly important and that we want to be very, very proactive in encouraging more diverse students and therefore more diverse masters of wine. So, for example, we've quite publicly said that we don't have a black master of wine yet, um, but we hope to soon. You know, we do have some students who identify as black, so we are hopeful that they will pass. Um, And I think that we are trying to do more to be able to encourage applications from a wider pool of students for the same reason that I've just said, you know, I think it's really important that it's reflective of the industry and that we do have a diverse set of students um, joining us. So we've set up a committee which is called the Diversity, Inclusion and Transformation Committee, I believe, um, who are thinking really hard about how we can make sure that the programme is welcoming, is inclusive and is open to everybody who is kind of ready to take it. Um, And we've had some really exciting things that have come out of that this year. So you might have seen that we've um, got a scholarship in collaboration with Golden Vines for people who identify as BAME and BIPOC. So some really significant um, scholarships for people to join the programme. One of those has been announced, some more to be announced over the coming weeks. But I think those sorts of things are really important. And we did some outreach sessions for specifically candidates applying from those backgrounds to talk to them about the programme and why it's, it's important for them as well. So it's something that, yeah, we really need to work on. And we are doing that quite proactively at the moment. But I think it's something that will take a bit a bit of time to, you know, as it takes three years to become an MW, it will take a bit of time to see to see people joining at the other end. But it's something that we are really committed to. And we talk about a lot in you know internal meetings, in council meetings and that sort of thing. Wonderful. Well, Sarah Harrison, thank you very much indeed. That's no problem. Thank you very much. So just with regard to the, the pass rate, we, we've done our we've done our sort of our own sums. Um, and it's it's difficult because there are different things, aren't there? There's the there's the pass rate for the big stage two exams. Which are the big ones, yeah. They're the big ones, but and that's one thing, but but there are no figures released for that. No. Um, and then the the other is is um sort of how many new NWs are inaugurated in in a year. Yeah. But of course those on stage one and two can't get to that point. No, you've got to have finished stage three. So, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so anyway, what Sarah said was basically 25 people out of 300, so it's about 8, 8%. And yeah. I think our sums largely tally with that yeah, kind of it's figure. Similar. So that's, similar. Which is not big, is it? It's I mean, not. It's it does really not. It seem, though, that the rate is going up slowly over time. But I think equally, you know, there are standards to uphold. And, and given how long the study programme takes... Mm. You know, it's not just whizzing through in three years. Most people repeat bits here and there. Yeah. So, you know, it's not easy to bump up any sort of figures quickly. No. Um, but she did say that that was the aim. Sarah did say that was the aim, didn't she? Um, also, you know, one other thing, it's not cheap to do it, is it? No. You know, um, I think that's worth mentioning. Oh, seriously, it's not. Um, and, and you know, it, the problem is it, it's uncertain when you start how long it's going to take. Mm, and the longer it the takes, problem, the more expensive it is. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I'd still argue it is 
a worthwhile investment, mm. you know, both personally and professionally. Yeah, yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And, you know, Sarah did mention there's some stuff available, information on the website if you want to find out more. It's worth a look at mastersofwine.org. Um, the other thing that's on there is, the, of course, the exam papers from previous years. So you can have a look at those. Um, you can see the wines that are served in the exam. So in 2019, uh, there was a fair amount of Sauvignon Blanc. We'd have been right at home. Uh, and, and, and Bordeaux red varieties. There was some fizz and some rosé and some left. There's always some left field options. So mm-hmm. there were wines from Georgia and Hungary and Uruguay. And then the theory questions uh, were things like, how responsible is the wine industry? Uh, what is the greatest threat currently facing the wine industry? Uh, does wine have a significant role to play in a healthy lifestyle? Um, mm, these sound like contemporary issue ones, don't answer, they? Yes, yes um, of course it does. Uh, you know, and what makes wine authentic? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're the yeah. bigger picture questions. Yeah. They're the less specific ones. But um, they're, the, they're, they're day four, aren't they, when your brain is already yeah, fried yeah. and you've then but got to you go, an idea whoa, let me think about this <laughs> and you know, argue a really big topic. Yeah. Um, anyway, but we've got a couple of wines here haven't we of course we have, we have. it's keeping a wine it podcast keeping it real um, and they are a nod to what we had in mm. our exams yeah, uh, yeah. so i've got a pinot noir yeah. you've got a riesling go on you go first mm. tell us why you've what got you that in terms of drinking i'm gonna have a massive I'll sip while first. you tell I'll us what you're drinking so in my tasting exam uh, i think it was 2009 i had eight Riesling wines, eight wines made from the Riesling grape variety. Uh, first impressions, I tasted through. This is my first morning. So your first morning, very first morning, very first morning, bright and bright and my shiny. First impressions, and I thought, freshly pressed. Shirt. I have nailed this. You know, brilliant. And then I retasted them, and then the doubts crept in. Oh. And before I knew it, they had all started to taste the same. Um, and obviously, you know, you say there are 12 wines in a paper. This was eight of them. So we're talking big marks here. Yeah. If you get this wrong, you are lost. You haven't got a hope. Um, then I started to get behind on time because I was retasting. I was confused. I was unsure. Then um, I had to rush the other answers. And before I knew it, yeah. I had run out of time. I hadn't finished. It's funny you say about this running out of time because we talked earlier, didn't we, about two and a quarter hours sounds like a long time. Do you know the only thing I had in my head before every <laughs> single paper of that week was finish finished. the paper? Funny finish enough, the paper. Funny enough, so did I. Yeah. And yet I still, you still... <laughs> didn't. Anyway, uh, I had, in fact, I had you your voice time. in my head saying finish. finish the paper. The only thing you but yeah, I mean, it was it's the cardinal sin. Not and you, you say, obviously, you think, how can anything be, you know, you walk into an exam room, hundreds of desks with 12 glasses of wine. How can that be a bad, hard exam? My goodness. Mm. Give yourself two and a quarter hours to answer these questions. Mm. It's a hard exam. Anyway, so, you know, the point was, this was my first exam of nine yeah. exams. And and I was I was devastated. You know, I, I assumed I had failed. I came out of that. Your first exam of nine, so you, you, you can't count either. Well, counting's never been a strong no, point. No, so I, I think we're talking seven, seven exams. Whatever. <laughs> Felt like nine. It felt, felt like, like ninety. Nine. It felt like ninety nine. Go away. Be quiet. Uh, no, and I just, I just remember coming out and I, I had oh. lunch. I remember the bench. I still walk past that bench occasionally. I look at it. I remember that bench I had. Lunch well, it was in London. It was in London. It was in Waterloo. It? Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, that's it. I might as well give up and go oh. home. But I didn't. I went back in. I thought, you know what? I might as well do the yeah. rest just for just for form's sake. And I did. And the rest is history. Yeah. 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 You did it. You see, you were just talking yourself down as usual. Yeah. Anyway, so my, the, the reason I've got Pino. Hated um, Riesling ever since. Yeah. Oh, no, you have not. <laughs> no, you big not true. Fibber. That's not true. Um, but the reason I've got Pino oh, is it sort of similar to yours in some ways. But this was from my paper three. So this was the third day. Mm. 
It's my final paper. And usually paper three is a mixed paper. So I was kind of expecting you could have, I could have got some sweet wines, some ports, mm. some, you know, unusual wines. But it's you don't always get white or red. Anyway, no, normally you don't because you've done those. Yeah, those because before. you've done white and yeah. red. Uh, anyway, I sat down and I looked and I had eight red wines in a row. And it said they were all made from one grape variety from three different countries. And I just looked at them and they were not particularly, there was nothing particularly deeply coloured. And I started to smell them and I thought, Oh, thank you. Thank you. They are Pinot Noir. And I know mm. that they're Pinot Noir because you know, they just couldn't sure. be anything sure? else. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> no doubts. Still, still? No, by day three, you don't have doubts. Yeah, um, yeah. And I just thought, thank you, because finally, finally, after two really difficult exams, I've got an exam where I may not get them right. I may not get the locations right. I may not even answer brilliantly, but at least I know that they're Pinot Noir and I can have a go at writing an answer that, you know, I know. And sometimes in the exam, it's a love, what's love, what the most brilliant thing is when you think, Oh, this is it. I can fly, Jackpot. you know. Yeah. Let's go for this. All that hard work that yeah, I've put yeah, in, I can off. use, yeah, yeah. you know, um, which is which is great. So we won't yeah. talk about your Chianti, uh, no. getting the Chianti as, what, what did you say there? Anyway, and let's move on. Yeah, so, so anyway, we have got these wines in front of us. Um, and beyond just sort of explaining that we're going to get slowly pickled as we record this podcast. As ever. Uh, we wanted to sort of uh, use them. That's right. We had them for a purpose. We're we going do, to use them. Of course them they're here for to, a purpose. Uh, to sort of talk about how we went about tackling these yeah. out, didn't we? Yeah, so we had, a very, we had a very definite method. And this is something that we explored mm. when we were teaching afterwards, actually leading, well, leading our student tasting boot camp weekends, which we did here in Winchester after we'd passed for about, I think, about 10 years, didn't mm, we? And that was to get other people ready for the for the exams. And the first step or, or in, in terms of tasting was to just forget everything you'd learnt about a sort of an ordered linear approach to wine tasting and and you just had to be prepared to prioritize mm. ruthlessly mm. so in the red yes have a look at the color so this is a slightly paler i've got a mm. wine here it's um it is a bourgogne pinot noir and it's a it's a sort of a mid ruby you might call it it's all pale to mid ruby and um, so that might mean it's an older wine because red wines could become paler as, as you know many people know as they age um, or it just could be a thinner skinned variety and from pinot i would not expect a great pinot to have a deep color mm. but the keys that the, the color is not the most important thing the three keys were all about structure so we honed in on, for example, with reds, the tannin, the acidity and the body, because that really is the, the set of things that are so revealing. And they're often the, the kind of the clues to unlocking a red wine and then arguing why you've chosen what you've chosen. Yeah, I mean, arguing the point is the most important yeah. thing, isn't it? It's one yeah. thing tasting, there's next thing, next thing sort of making a convincing case. Convincing you know? argument. And, and with whites, you know, we focus in on acid and body, really, with the yeah. keys. Um, aromatics were very important, you know, like with reds. But, yeah. you know, you get, I think, more clues on the reds. Um, but, you know, on a more general technique, recognising that there will be uh, we used to call them bunnies and bankers, didn't we? So bunnies with a, with a bunny in the headlight. It's so pretentious, Bunny in it? the headlight of but thinking, bunny oh, in the my headlight God, of, oh, my Lord, I'm Italian whites were a great yes, case yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. But just recognising the fact that some wines will be like that. Well, yeah. in that case, be methodical, be ordered. Okay. Use the structure. What can you? What are the key things you can use to, to mm. deduce what it might be? But the bankers were the ones you think, yeah, ka-ching, I know this, brilliant, mm. off we go. Not waste Fino time. Sherry. Just, just know what it is. Just bang uh, it and, out. And not panicking uh, either way. You know, being methodical, having checklists, reasoning strongly. I mean, the great truism is you have to taste like a detective and argue like a lawyer. And that's a great way of thinking about it. You know, you need to sound authoritative. You mm. need to sound like an MW already. You need yeah. to be reasonable um, and authoritative. Fortune favours the brave. 
go for it. You know, cite your evidence, but be logical and clear and use sort of short yeah. sentences and just be persuasive. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, well, go on. How would you answer on a Riesling? <laughs> tell me. Tell me about your Riesling. No, I just thought I was going to give me a little, little off the top of your head template answer. I quietly enjoy this Riesling yeah. here. Okay. Well, well, let me have so a So we had there. template answers, didn't we? Now, this is mm. going to sound quite clinical, isn't it? But this is the kind of argument you have to Yeah, we'll do this quite quickly. Argument I, you have to, I think have you're going to do it. It's not just me. You're going to do it too oh. with your Pinot. But it's going to yeah, sound really strange. But this is a sort of MW. So what is this wine? Where does it come from sort of thing? Okay. So this wine, I'm not actually sure what this wine is because the label's fallen off and it's so old. That's very true. We don't know. We know it's Riesling, don't we? We know it's Schloss Lisa, German Riesling, uh, 1997. Uh, Lisa Niederberg, uh, Helden Riesling. And I think this is the Spätleser. So um, I would go something along the lines of, of, of what is this wine? Is it where it's from? I'd say this wine has kind of vivid, bracing acidity mm-hmm. um, and sort of a, a lovely fresh citrus character, which indicates a, a cool climate origin. Um, there's a kind of lightness on the finish, which is typical of low alcohol, uh, about 8%. Um, which further confirms this, the, the 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 light body, but the kind of I don't know notable mineral complexity together with the sort of succulence of residual sugar at about thirty, well, maybe fifty grams per liter, are, are classic markers of German Riesling. Um, both the Rheingau and the Fouts would be typically more. Uh, I don't know, show more palate weight. Um, the floral notes together with the vivid acidity and the flinty character are consistent with with the Mosel. Um, the sort of toasty kerosene notes typical of age styles from this area, you know, as is the unique combination of, of delicacy and, and intensity. Um, and the quality from the, the sort of layered flavours and harmony is consistent with a high quality single vineyard site and a top vintage. Good. How am I doing? You're all right. I don't think you get away with between 30 and 50 grams per litre. I know. I went from and quite 30, so many sort of and kind of. Anyway, anyway mm, I made you. a few notes here, so I'm, I, I kind oh, of. Uh, <laughs> Just talk to me about your Pinot. What's your, what's so, your Pinot? Go well, on. I mean, I look Identi- at the, I look at the cup. Pinot. So I'm, I'm still identifying, am I? So I'm, I've got a glass here and, and I'm being asked, you know, what is it? Yeah, what, where is it, it from? So I, I'd look at the, I'd say the pale ruby hue um, or colour would indicate um, a, a grape with low phenolic potential or something super pretentious like that and mm. um, like Pinot Noir uh, I think that the key here is well if you kind of know it's Pinot Noir there's not a lot of point in going Pinot Noir or something or something yeah. and the reason I think it's Pinot Noir you kind of know just it is so it. just go yeah. for it just go for it and then crisp acidity elegant midweight body some leafy hints uh, excellent integration of flavor point immediately to the premium old world classic region of Burgundy so again if you think it's Burgundy Go for it. You know, you don't need to discount other things unless you're not quite sure. You've gone for it. Okay, so I've gone for it. Um, alcohol at 11%, no hedging there. I'm just going to go for it. It's consistent with this location. Which is it 11%? It pretty much. Sorry, not 11%. Did I say 11? No, I was thinking is. of your spate a Riesling. Yeah. Um, 13%. 13%. Well, I think you're hedging. I think you're... Not 11 to 13. After okay. the event. Well, I would have got marked down for that, definitely. You would have, because alcohol I said Burgundy at 11%. We're having trouble with numbers in this podcast, aren't we? Do you think oh, that says man. something about us? So 13%. Um, then going on to the concentration, concentration of flavour and firm tannin, I would say moderately firm tannin, indicate the Cote de Nuit, maybe some red fruit character from the Cote de Bone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe it's a blend of the two, because I'm going towards 
Bourgogne. You haven't here. actually told us what this wine is, though. So I'm going to. Okay. Uh, overall, medium intensity and length, together with fresh ripe fruit, consistent with a Bourgogne or haute coat level appellation from a good recent vintage, and then give them a vintage, you know, like 2018. You might not be right, but go for it. I happen to know it's 2018, but um, obviously I do. It lacks the power or elegance associated with a Premier or Grand Cru level, but overall harmony and integration are typical of a basic Bourgogne from a reputable grower. So that's kind of, I mean, I made a few notes there, obviously I did, but um, that's kind of the way to argue it. So, you know, if you know what it is, or you're pretty sure you know what it is, probably better just to go with it. If you're not in any way in any doubt, give a couple of options. Why not? You might as well funnel a little bit because then... Yeah. It want, if the other thing is right and you've gone in the wrong direction, yeah. at least you've got a little bit of but credit But also one that. thing that's quite hard is if you get a top, top wine, it's super easy to argue it because you go, bang, it's outstanding. Yeah. For yeah, a yeah. But actually a middle-level wine, so a Bourgogne. Yeah, from a good producer. Got, it's quite so difficult. This, this is, just so everybody stuff. knows, this is uh, Domaine de la Vougerie um, 2018 Bourgogne Pinot Noir Terre de Famille. It's lovely. Oh, where, my goodness. It is. Oh, it's delicious. Delicious. Um, where, where exactly is it? Is it from the Cote de Nuit? I think it's a blend of the two. Cote de Nuit and Cote de Bain. I think so. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure. Oh, it doesn't... Okay. Of course, it's, it's, a, it's on the bottle. It's never going to say that, is it? It's French. No, 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 Why would no. they say anyway, that? Okay, well, very but good. I think very it impressive. is. I think Liking it is. Liking your Pinot work. Um, um, but it's, it's a lovely... Anybody fancying buying a few bottles of this, it's very, very nice. So, any other, so, so, so impressive. Well done. What mm. about any other sort of final tips mm. um, for people? No, I'm just drinking at the no, moment now. No, stop drinking. Tips for the... Tips, 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 tips. Um, I mean, probably, if in doubt, stay classic, Mm. relatively. That doesn't mean old world. It just means stay with some classic examples, options, something really weird and quirky. And I think, and and trust yourself, trust your instincts. Your instincts are often right. Not Mm. necessarily your absolute first instinct, but don't start going off all over the place. You know, and in order for your instincts to be right, you need to have tasted very widely, you need that experience. No, that's that's really really important. Is it? That's it's key. So get the experience. Is put in the legwork. You know, you know, we spent hours. Actually, it wasn't hours. It was kind of days, days, weeks, months. months. Yeah, wasn't it? I yeah. mean, you know, so you can be effective. You know, now we hear, hear stories of people um, doing lots of stuff to prepare. You know, tasting a wine every day for for years, which is amazing um dedication you know we didn't do that we were quite focused you know i think this kind of tasting is very different from tasting when you can see the labels at a trade tasting or or whatever you know we just practiced this particular skill blind tasting mw exam style multiple wines answering questions you know to our mind, there wasn't any point being able to just identify one blind wine. Mm. You, know, you need to identify sets of wines uh, and answer questions about and, them to pass and the And exam. actually, to be fair enough, in the exam, you've got plenty of wines to compare, you know, which is great. You haven't just yeah. got a single solitary no, wine, which is too. often the most difficult. So, I mean, one of the things we did was build sort of big grids of possible options. For example, you know, options for aromatic whites and non-aromatic whites, pale reds, dark reds, sweet wines, you know, fizz, mm, mm. all these checklists. But more importantly, we wrote template answers to the most mm. common question types and the most classic wines and you know you don't even need a wine in front of you or to be tasting wine to do that you can do that on the train you know you literally you know imagine you've got four chardonnays from around the world identify the origin of each just write bang 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 Mm. you know what are the reasons it's from new zealand or from burgundy or whatever Mm. you know so write those templates um, and and it could be the same with that wasn't so you could repeat them verbatim in the exam that's really important to add was it It but you can tweak them so you you've kind of got some phrases and some sentences there in your head some structures of sentences and that is the that's really important the clever thing is don't just 
bang out something you've already written because you've already written it. You've got to adapt it, but at least you've got the sort of the template. And it the, saves the you time. Template. It yeah. saves, it saves you time a lot working of time. through that logic. It really of, does. Literally logic of language in the exam. Um, you know, so that's a tasting exam. Mm-hmm. Theory exam now. Um, you know, our, our approach to that was similar. I think timing, reading, digesting the question, really, really important. And not, not being afraid to be assertive and original. I think that was really, really important as well. Um, and then, you know, the same thing as the tasting, not being able to, not sorry, not being able to, not being afraid to, to, to prioritise, you know, what you choose to leave out is almost as important as what you put in. Um, you know, that shows you know your stuff, it shows you're confident and, and you're not wasting everyone's time by writing everything I know about X, mm. Y and Z. You know, you say these are the most important things to say here and now. And that's what I'm going to, you know, yeah. leave out the rest, please, because, you know, the examiner does not want to hear everything that you, you know about that particular grape variety. Mm. Um, but another thing I always remember someone saying, um, and this is relevant to, I think, the tasting and the theory exam, there is no such thing as the wine business. I mean, it's really like a whole load of different businesses <laughs> under the heading <laughs> wine. It really is. You know, so, so selling mass market Aussie Chardonnay is a t- totally different business from selling fine Bordeaux and you know so so it varies whether it's to do with price geography style of wine where you are on the supply chain you know who your intended customer is Mm. and and you have to as as a as an examinee show awareness and knowledge of all those different elements of wine Mm. it's not just about fine wines or commercial wines the the, the sort of examiners ask for is examples on that point isn't it you know so it's no good just having the, the book learning the theory what's the actual reality of the situation and I think People, students get very stressed about this, don't they? Um, you know, having yeah. to amass examples for they're all so the theory syllabus. They but they really are important. Are so it's hard important. to do, but they're important because they're helpful. You know, a good example can save you loads of words in arguing some, your point. Yeah. You know, and, and we always used to think of it as an iceberg, didn't we? I think Julia taught us this, you know, showing that showing that 10% of applied knowledge actually implies you understand the other 90% mm. and then you can just move on. Yeah. Um but that takes a bit of real work. You need, to, you need to talk to people. You need to ask people. Um, yeah. and, and it's the art of the illuminating detail, isn't it? And I think it, it helps to show global knowledge. Global is important. That's so important. Absolutely. An awareness of all aspects of wine, you know, from commercial to practical, legal, uh, historical, uh, topical. And, you know, I always, also always remember someone saying to me that whatever the question, whatever the question, make sure you get some numbers into every paragraph. <laughs> So there you are. There's your facts and figures again. Um, I mean, and it really, you know, it really makes you think. <laughs> Every paragraph you say has a number in it. Has a number in it. But be specific, you know, more. justify yourself. Where are the figures or the real life examples to back up your argument? Because that makes your argument so much stronger. Yeah, if you're going to convince me, it needs to be with numbers. Uh, so to wrap this up, we're going to be hearing briefly from someone uniquely qualified to talk about all of this. Uh, Adrian Garforth is not only a master of wine, but also the executive director of the Institute of Masters of Wine and I asked him what the secret was to becoming an MW. Tenacity you need to be you really need to be committed because it's a lot of work and there's so much to know and what's more it's not this isn't absolute information every part of the wine industry is evolving as we speak. If you don't approach it with a smile on your face and a sense of fun you beat yourself up and the number of people I've met who were in study purgatory where they just they were oh there's just one more step and oh it's the saddest thing and i'm like just step back put a smile on your face do it for the love of it and do it with a smile on your face i love that now are you um agent are you actively trying to grow the number of people passing the exam and, and if so how 
Yeah, okay, good question. Look, the, the pass rates within the Institute historically have been remarkably historically low. And in some ways, asking people to come on the program to pay good money to study and whilst you get involved in the network and study groups and all the rest of it, to, the, 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 the risk of succeeding was really, really low. And I feel very strongly that if people are paying good money, that A, we need to make sure that, first of all, they're the right sort of candidate and that they really run the risk of succeeding. This is hard, okay? Not everybody gets to... Maybe you can, you've got the ability to climb Everest, but not everybody makes it. But we need to select them, first of all. And then after that, we need to make sure that the education programme that we deliver is as good as it can be. Now, bear in mind that this is a self-study programme. So we're not telling you you've got to know this, that, and the other, but the guidance that we provide, the support that we provide, is going to be at the highest order. And when it's not right, we need to have proper feedback mechanisms. And we've set out in our five-year plan, which is coming to an end, that we were looking to grow the membership I think, by over 5%. And we, we were probably hovering around that area at the moment. Uh, and I, uh, this is my personal view, I don't have a problem with lots more Masters of Wine because I think there is a massive opportunity. And I go back to this really complicated wine industry that we inhabit. Um, having great people, not just masters of wine, masters of sommeliers, whatever, diploma students from WSET, doesn't really. Having great people is is what's really going to um, galvanise the industry, drive it forward, and get more people engaged in the industry and make it make it successful. Having good people is really important for the industry. Having more masters of wine, I think, has to be good for the industry as well. Now, very briefly, um, what would you say to someone who's considering doing the Master of Wine? Fantastic. I'm really pleased. Uh, Just kind of enter it with your eyes open, I would say. Speak to people who are probably on the programme. Speak to some NWs as well. We say we're not sure that we can. It's a pretty big undertaking. But don't don't scare yourself. I see people on the program who are petrified. I say they're in that sort of purgatory, steady purgatory. And some people you think could do it easily. They've scared themselves off before they've even started. Uh, but just understand it's it, it it will take up a big part of your life. You know, wine kind of takes over, yeah. But not but not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. Wine is sociable. Wine is fun. So let the wine take over. Adrian Garforth, thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Peter. I love that idea. I mean, I'm not sure we always manage to do that. No, I like um, the idea more than the reality. I the, think. the reality of becoming an MW is that it, you know, it really does yeah, have its ups and downs. Heavens, well, we've talked about it already. But maybe but, if you, you keep know, a smile on your face more often, as often as possible. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, maybe that'll help you get through the downs uh, and learn from them, mm. and then, and then just make sure you relish and, and celebrate those ups because yeah, that yeah. is definitely the way forward. Yeah, well, the lessons for life, to be honest. Aren't they? Um, so just going back to the interviews quickly, one thing that I think came through quite strongly from Sarah and Adrian was the message of how committed the IMW is to making this qualification, the, the programme, available as widely and sort of democratically and easily as they mm. humanly can. Um, the message being sort of whoever, wherever you are, you know, you can do this. Yeah, yeah. And I think we'd add to that, if you can do it, go for it. Yeah. Um, it I mean, it's with, without doubt, it's changed 
our lives. Mm. We know that. Um, it's enabled us to go places, to meet people, to do things we'd never have dreamed of. Um, I mean, it no. is a risk. Yes, it's expensive. It, it takes mm. over your life. You hate it for a lot of the time, but the rewards are genuinely worth it. And you get to introduce your podcast in a very pretentious way. <laughs> there we are. It's, it's worth it. So I, I think um, that's that's it. I think we should end by raising a glass, these glasses, these slightly mm. empty looking glasses now, but raising a glass mm. to everyone who helps make the MW and IMW mm. happen. All the Masters of Wine and Masters of Wine students out there, all the wine students out there, yeah. all the wine lovers who have no interest in studying too. Um, the world is a richer place for all of you. It is indeed. And how's that Riesling going it's down? It's going down very well. Anyway, anyway, we'll be back with the concluding part to this Becoming a Master of Wine programme shortly, uh, when we'll be hearing from a scary examiner, Ooh, yes. as well as a current student and a newly crowned MW. Uh, don't miss it. In the meantime, thanks to Sarah Harrison and mm. Adrian Garforth, and thanks to you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.